Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. And welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I am Zach. And on the show today, Erica Kemp, recent USA 25K Championships runner-up, on to talk about variety in racing and considerations for why and how to go about trying new things as a runner. Stick around after that for news from the world of running, including a controversial move by USA Track and Field a New York City Marathon preview, and a fascinating article on nutrition. Mm. And before we do anything else, hit pause and go to adcrunning.com. Click on the word follow. It's right next to the word coaching. Both great places to spend a little bit of time. And then find us on all the places where you find your content and subscribe. We are A to Z Running on YouTube, all the podcast platforms, Instagram, things like that. Speaking of which, this week on Instagram, we gave a shout out to Dan O, who achieved his 35th Riverbank run and his 10th Boston Marathon just in the last couple of weeks. So we were celebrating that and sharing with you some of his reflections on what he loves about running, what keeps him coming back to the start line, which included the community, having a plan, getting after the training and finding joy in that, as well as finding camaraderie with other runners and helping them achieve their goals as well. He's done some pacing and pushing for my team triumph. So really amazing person to be connected with. And Anne wrote a comment saying, what keeps me coming back are the exact same reasons. I enjoy the process of following a plan, improving and trying to execute the plan on race day. Like Dan says, it doesn't always go to plan, but I enjoy the process and improving over the long term, training cycle after cycle. Mm. Now, quick side note about Anne, I want to do a little brag about her because she was third overall amateur female at the Ironman this past weekend at 70.3 Oceanside. Well so, wow, Anne is, a mo- uh, is awesome. I'm going to link to our episode with her. And that's all about considering yourself to be a serious runner. Like, what is a serious runner? Am I a serious runner? All those questions that you might have as you are pursuing a training and running think I can answer the question for you. You can be a serious runner if you'd like to. Why <laughs> so serious? <laughs> Halloween is past, Zach. We're, oh, done, we're done with that. But yeah, uh, Anna's a great person to talk to about the sport, and she has some great perspectives and now is taking on the triathlon scene, and we've enjoyed connecting with her. So thanks to her comment on uh, social media. We also want to thank Sage for commenting on our post about recovery. She had run the Detroit Half Marathon and said that those tips really helped her recover after her Detroit marathon, Half Marathon. So Does it count if she's your sister? She is my Isn't sister, she but she posted on YouTube, nice and I think that like YouTube is our least commented arena. But still, does it count <laughs> if she's your sister? Because she's like, yeah, she loves you. She's going to say nice things, even if it's a terrible <laughs> job that we do. Even if, thank you, Sage, for loving me. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, so anyway, yeah, Sage is also uh, an athlete, and she's my sister. So she enjoyed that uh, episode about recovery. Some of you guys did too, and posted that on social media. So thank you for that too. And with that, let's get started.
Our main topic this week is trying new distances. We are eager to have Erica Kemp on the show to discuss this topic. I thought she's a perfect person to talk to because she has been taking on the road racing circuit by fire and podiuming in like everything that she's been doing, including two U.S. titles, two runner-up finishes, and some other solid placements as well. So she's a great person to talk to about trying new distances because these have all been new for her. And Erica Kemp is not only amazing on the roads, but she also came from a very strong NCAA background where she went to North Carolina State University. She was a six-time NCAA All-American before signing with Adidas and running with the BAA. And in our conversation, Erica might convince you that you're more versatile than you think. So let's listen to our conversation with Erica. Hi, Erica. Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, it's so good to see you again, because I just saw you last week at the 25K Road Racing Championship. So first off, congratulations on that runner-up finish. Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely a little colder up in Michigan than I expected, but it was a fun time. Good. I'm glad you had like a decent experience because you never know what you're going to get in Grand Rapids, to be honest with you. So let's just start with that because this is a brand new event for you. Can you talk us through some of your preparations for the 25K and then the race itself? Yeah. So I don't know if my preparation was like typical for something that long. It was something we kind of just decided on after the 20K went really well and just kind of told ourselves that another 5k really isn't that long, even though in reality, especially looking at my training with my long runs, like tapping out at 13 miles, 25k is definitely on the longer side. Um, so like leading into the 25k, all we really did was throw in a couple of long runs at 15 or 16 miles, just to like get the confidence that I could finish the distance, like without breaks. And that kind of seemed like enough to at least give it a shot since we did a very similar thing with the 20 K where my long run was just shy of how long the race would be. As far as jumping into a race like this, what was your comfort level going into it? Having, you know, a 25 K is unique and not many people do it very often. So coming into the race, what was your mindset about it? How did you wrestle with the unknown? I think I was more excited than anything else, but also as far as like comfort level, because like you said, it's such a weird distance and people just don't do it very often. It's one of those things where it's kind of like the weather on race day, like everyone's dealing with it. Like you have people in the field who run halves, who run fulls, but no one really just casually goes out and races 15 and a half miles every few months. So it was like a very unique experience for most people, I would say, because it's just such a random distance. So I kind of felt like I was in the same boat as everybody else. So there wasn't too much to be nervous about because no one really knows their 15 mile PR because it's just not something you do. So it was more of just like going out and kind of like, you know, having fun with it. Mm -hmm. So in your bio, it says that, the 5k is your favorite race distance specifically on the road. Now you've done a lot more and a variety of different races. Is it, is the 5k still your favorite? I don't know if that's true. That's definitely something I wrote down like two years ago when they asked us to write something for our bios. 
And I do love racing 5k on the road just because it is on the shorter side. So you get a lot more time during the day once your race is finished, because the best part about road racing is getting to see new cities. And then you get to like spend time in places you never really go to. A big question. I think a lot of our audience is wondering and something that I think, well, personally, I'm wondering about you specifically, Erica is how are you so versatile and what do you think allows for you to be so good at like track races, but then also on the road and then these very, very different distances? I think, I don't know if it's, I'm actually that versatile or if other people just kind of don't really give themselves the chance. Like, I think most people are probably a lot more versatile than they think. They just have like, oh, I'm training for a half marathon or I'm training for a full or I'm a track runner or I'm this or I'm that. And they just don't give themselves the chance to see what they could do in other events. And I just think I've been lucky to be in a position and have like a coach and a club who encouraged me to do literally all of them. So I think, I mean, you just, I would say I never really focus my training too much. We just kind of try to cover all the bases. Like we'll run 80 ish miles a week. We'll do a long run, but we'll also still do some two hundreds just to make sure you can still run fast. Cause you never know when you're going to need to. Um, but I do think most people are probably just as versatile. They just don't schedule it in their lives. Like they should, I think everyone should go back and forth because I think all of it helps in like a very cyclical manner. Like the faster you get on the track, the faster you're on the roads and then you get really strong on the roads and it helps you on the track. And I just think it's all great. <laughs> so how are they similar and how are they different? But I guess specifically between the track and the road. Yeah. So I would say they're similar in that obviously they're running um, and they're very competitive in the U S. So no matter whether you're showing up to a competitive track meet or a U.S. championship on the road, you always know you're going to have a lot of competition. So a lot of those like competition skills come into play in both of them. But as far as being different, I would say you're a little more technical on the track. You have all the spikes and it's these tiny laps in these like small stadiums. And it definitely feels a lot different. Like that was one thing that I was so excited about getting back on the roads is like when you're racing on the track, I kind of feel like you're in like a fishbowl sometimes. And you're just on this little circle and people are just like watching you from the stands. But when you're on the roads, people are literally on the roads. Like you're running past people's houses and you have families in their yard and you're like two feet away from them, if not even closer. Um, so I'd say there's definitely, at least for me, there's a lot more energy on the roads and just a little bit more excitement. Hmm. Yeah. A lot different for sure. And there's stretches that you are more on your own and how, how do you manage that? Like there are maybe stretches of miles where you're not really getting a lot of feedback from a crowd or even with your watch, you're not getting much of a feedback because GPS can be wonky and mile markers are, you know, sometimes not in the right spot and things like that. So how do you, how do you manage the lack of feedback? I think it's a little bit freeing, especially, I mean, the 25 K was very recently. And after McKenna pulled away, I did find myself alone for the last like three or so miles. And there were a few stretches before we got back towards downtown where it was 
just me by myself <laughs> and it was a little quiet out there. Can't really rely on that for feedback. But I think that those moments are kind of nice because you can just kind of like go back to like the actual basics, like back when you were in high school and you didn't have a GPS watch and you were just kind of running. Like you go to like check in on your breathing, check in on your form. And like, you're literally just out in the world in for me in a crop top, just like running through the streets of some random city. So it's like, it's a little scary to not have that feedback, but at the same time, it's very freeing because you don't have all the constant checking in like you do on the track or when you do have all those mile markers and you're like, oh, like there's my split or like, here's what position I'm in. Like, it's super nice to just kind of be floating out in the world sometimes. Yeah, that's a really good thought. And I guess that brings me to another question about like competition. So you don't quite know exactly how far people are from you. In fact, I don't remember who it was in the Olympics this year, but they were announcing and talking about how this would, the marathon and some of the distance events would be a great time to use those distance meters. Like this person is 200 meters back and they do it in like the, the sprinting events, but not the long distance events. Um, so <laughs> yeah, competition, you don't know how far they are away. Like, is that something that you do you look back? Like, do you stay motivated by just knowing like people are always coming? I'm going to run my best no matter what, or like the competition part of it, when sometimes it does string out, how, how do you like dial in? Yeah, I would definitely say never look back. Um, my biggest fear is that like, if you, I was to ever look back, I would like trip and fall because like, no matter how good you are, you do lose a little bit of momentum by turning back. So like always eyes ahead and like hoping for the best, but it is like super funny. All at the end of every single road race, I always get this feeling of like fear because I'm afraid someone's going to pass me at the line. Like just always afraid that someone's coming because you can't hear them because you have people cheering. You don't know where your competition is. You can get passed by six people in the last 100 meters because you have no idea where they are. So that last like mile is like super exciting, but also very scary. So I just, I mean, I watch a lot of horror movies. I just feel like I'm running from literally any of the things I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it does happen where it comes down to the line and like the person who doesn't know the other one is coming up like in a surprise by it. Usually they can't hang on because the other person has more momentum. Um, yeah. now you're someone who seems to not want to do, like, if you decide that you don't want to do something, you're probably not going to do it. Cause I remember reading in your, <laughs> in your bio, that's like, I just didn't go to practice. I wasn't into it then. Right. But then at some point yeah. you decided like, I want to do this. I am in it. What drives you then to be in this sport and to be doing this road racing? Yeah, um, that's definitely accurate. Um, and that's something I've had to like, you know, deal with my whole life and like get over myself a lot. But I think I really enjoy running and competing just because racing is just very much like a you get into it what you, or you get out of it what you put into it kind of thing which I really like because even though it's not necessarily like immediate, like gratification, you get a little bit of that, like delayed gratitude because it might take months or years to really see all that training pay off. But if you do put the work in at some point, you will see the results. So I think that's kind of what like keeps me coming back is that, especially because I know 
I'm very prone to just decide to not do things. I know that if I actually do commit to doing them, that at some point I will see some results. And like, I just really want to know what those could be. Yeah. I actually loved reading that because I like, it's great to be someone who decides to do it, you know? And there Mm -hmm. are things in our life that like, if we don't love them, we should not show up. Like if it's not part of who we are and what our journey should be, then we shouldn't be putting our energy and our love and our passion. And if we do keep showing up, but we don't want to be there, then there's the obligation, a little bit of resentment towards it. So it's better, Mm -hmm. you know, to have that choice be made. And you're like, I am in this and I, and I want to do this running sport and we've loved to watch you. It's been quite exciting. (laughs) And now you have two us champion (laughs) titles, right? Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Okay. So when you did transition to these longer distance races, what was that like for you? Was that a decision you made with your, with your coach? Um, how was that discussion? Because you had done, you know, you've been mostly track, uh, to that point, like when you were in, in college. Uh, so Mm -hmm. what was that conversation to start diversifying your experience? I think it, a lot of it came out of, we were kind of in like a bit of a rut, not like that. I was running poorly. Like I had PR'd by a ton in all of my events and track this past season, but just like mentally and physically kind of feeling stagnant. And we've just kept doing the same races over and over, especially cause you're a little limited on the track and what events you can do. So you just fly around the country to do the same couple of events. And it does kind of get old and just being someone who does get kind of tired of things and just doesn't really want to do them. If they're not exciting, we just kind of wanted something fresh and a new challenge and just something to get excited about. And it's really easy to get excited about new things because you haven't had a bad experience yet. I mean, like the 20 K could have gone horribly, but at least like I went into it super excited just because it was something new. So you don't have all of those like old memories to compare it for. So I don't know. It's just like, whenever you feel stuck, it's, I always think it's good to change. That is excellent advice for all of us. Now let's say there is someone listening. Who's like, Oh man, I'm feeling, I am feeling in a rut. What would you tell them as far as like what they could do to help them get their excitement back? Yeah. If someone's in a rut, I mean, if it's kind of like a training thing, I would say put on your favorite outfit and go to a new training spot because doing the same runs over and over can get stagnant. And like you said earlier, it kind of starts to feel like an obligation. So I think it's always great if I start to feel like kind of bored with what I've been doing as far as my training runs, I'll run in a spot that I haven't seen in a few weeks or even somewhere new. But especially when it comes to racing, if you've been training for the same event for a long time or doing the same event over and over and maybe you find that you're just not getting the PR that you think you should, or like just something's not quite clicking, I would do something super different. Like if you're training for a half PR, sign up for a local 5k, just hop into something different to kind of spark something and get it going again. I just think that change physically and mentally is just a great way to kind of restart yourself whenever you find yourself at like a plateau. That is such great advice. Oh, I love it. Very cool. I did, I did a mile this past, uh, summer, a That's mile amazing. run and I'm 33 <laughs> years old, you know, uh, it, it yeah. was, it was super fun. And, um, I am a marathoner, you know, like, so it was right. very different for me. <laughs> 
so much fun. Definitely pulled me out of my rut and I was very excited for it. Again, nothing to compare it to. I like that you said that because it's like you go in with a freedom, you know, and for you as a professional runner, you do have levels of expectation for yourself as far as, you know, performance. But, you know, many of our listeners, they could go in almost anonymously and be like, try something new and no one would even know. <laughs> so <laughs> you don't even have that, to tell anyone. <laughs> exactly. But I was wondering too, you know, you, you run a 20 K for the very first time and you win. You must be a very, you must have your mental game sharpened very well. I would love to hear <laughs> from you. How, how do you go into something unknown, but have unshakable confidence and have the ability to run so well in your first time ever. It's like your rust busters are winners. You know, like I, I feel like that is a very special thing. So I'd love to hear if you have any reflections on that. Yeah. I mean, I think even if you haven't raced in a while or you haven't done a particular event, you still train all the time and you have some sort of idea of like what your fitness level is at. And I don't, my dad always told me like in all through high school and college. And even now, like if you're on the starting line, you have a chance. And that was something he always told me. And like, it always hit home a little more when I was like younger, just because I was so, I was new to everything. So he was like, if you make it to that starting line, you have a chance. Like that's why you run the race to find out who's going to win. If they knew who was going to win, there would be no point in running the race. And he told me that like my freshman year of high school. And that's just like, something I've never let go of because you truly never know the top 10 seeds in a race could all fall or someone's shoe could come off or someone just has a bad day. So you kind of have to go to the line thinking anything is possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was so cool to see. It's such a great debut. I mean, you're a fantastic runner, obviously you're placing <laughs> high in so many events, but I think it's really cool when it's your first event, first time doing an event and for you to win like that is really neat. I have a couple more questions for you. Uh, thanks so much for sharing your time. What distances are you looking forward to tackling and maybe that you haven't yet or one that you've done and now you like, are like, I wanna do that again, that you haven't done much? Yeah, I think right now, the first one that comes to mind is like a true half marathon. Like obviously we split a half marathon in the 25K, but now having that under my belt and knowing that like, it's not that far out of my wheelhouse and I could run a really good half. That's definitely on the forefront of like what I'm shooting for right now. Cause it's also something that a lot more people can kind of relate to because when I tell people I'm a distance runner, they usually ask what my marathon time is. And when I say I don't run the marathon, they ask for my half and I don't have an answer for that either. So I'm really looking forward to being able to answer that question with like a real time. Yeah. I guess it, another question would be, are you, are you running worlds? Is that coming up? Yeah. I mean, I earned my spot by winning the 20 K and I mean, I've never raced outside of the country. It's like a team event, which is super cool. Cause I think the USN is a team of five or six. So that'll be super fun. And McKenna just won the 25 K. So now we can be roommates in China. So I'm really looking forward to that. That is really cool. Do you know a lot of the other ladies on this road racing circuit? At this point, um, this is my third year out of college. And that's one of the coolest parts about the circuit is you do see the same 
20 to 30 faces at most of the races all year long. And obviously you get roommates, you're constantly in the same cities and competing against each other. So it is, it does make it a lot more fun to like get to know these women who train all over the country, but then you get to see them on random weekends. Yeah. The running community is super cool. And we loved having you in Grand Rapids. Not only a small segment of our <laughs> listeners are from Grand Rapids, but there definitely are some because we're based in Grand Rapids. So uh, it was su- such a cool thing to see you uh, just running the roads of Grand Rapids so fast and be able to see you in person after keeping our audience up to date on the road racing <laughs> circuit and being able to share that you won that 20K. Um, yeah. So is there anything you want to leave our audience with as far as, you know, trying new things and, and what that can do for your running? Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing I can leave them with, I would say, do it. Don't be afraid. Don't limit yourself. If like we said earlier, if you're ever feeling stuck or things just aren't clicking, don't be afraid to take a step back and maybe try a new path. Cause you just don't know, like you don't know what your best event is. You might not have tried it yet. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Erica. We appreciate your time. We will keep our audience up to date on your half marathon endeavors coming up (laughs) and everything else that comes your way this year. Thank you, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. It was really exciting to connect with Erica. We apologize for some of the connectivity issues that we had there, but we are so privileged to get a chance to talk to her right after that great runner-up placement at the 25K. And in between some of her other endeavors, which she's going to be going for that half marathon championship, the U.S. championship, as well as the world championship. So exciting times for Erica. We'll keep you updated on what she has coming next. Let's take a look at the world of running. First up before some news from the world of running, some news from A to Z runners, Laura, on the docket this weekend, ran a two and a half minute course PR at the Flying Pig Half Marathon. If any of you have run that before in Cincinnati, they've got like this mile long uphill. <laughs> and then you have to go back down it late in the race, which doesn't feel all that much better at that point. Um, I really feel badly for the marathoners who are oh, yeah. <laughs> trudging up and down. It's but uh, that's, yeah, that's a tough one. So nice work, Laura. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing to do. And after a couple tough attempts at some ultras this fall, Lewis finally pulled off his 100-mile race that he'd been hoping to successfully accomplish and did. And that's really something. So I don't do 100-mile races. I know that some of you listening do. And so you understand the difficulty of going out there for an attempt at a hundred mile race, getting 50 plus miles or thereabouts into it, and then deciding, you know what, the day is not mine and I got to call it. And then a couple weeks later, going back and trying again. <laughs> well, Lewis did it and pulled it Way off. Way to go, Lewis. <laughs> My favorite comment from Lewis after the race was he, after about 10 miles to go, thought maybe he wasn't going to be able to hit a time that he was hoping he could hit. And with about three and a half miles to go, realized that if he pushes it just a little bit more, he could get that time. And oh my goodness, after running 96 miles to tell yourself, I should pick it up right now. I don't know how you find in yourself to do that, but nice work, Lewis. Nice job. Well, first up from the world of running here, we've got a Team USA championship, the the world championships marathon um, criteria announcement. 
that is very strange and it has been quite controversial mm-hmm. on the running airwaves lately yeah. since the announcement. The criteria is very different than the last two world championships. Or like any criteria ever. When it was picked uh, by descending order of the times. So it didn't matter which races they were. Like once the window opened, you could qualify via time and then they would choose you based on that. That's kind of how it generally goes. So world marathon championships is always an interesting one because they don't do a like race trial for that one. um, Like they do for the Olympics. That's the only time they do a marathon race trial. So then they have to select the U S team to represent in the championships uh, from just the other races that are happening. So how do they go about doing that? Well, usually it's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do they do this time? Maybe. The new policy states that the top American finisher at this year's Olympic marathon will automatically be selected to the team as long as they finished in the top 10 in the, at the Tokyo Games. Which is just like, so yeah. No, that's shrug. Molly Seidel and Galen Rupp. Yes, of course. Yep. So those Great. two uh, were selected or will be selected. The remaining places will be determined by order of finish at the American World Athletics Platinum Label Marathon. So those are mm. Chicago, Boston, New the majors, York. basically. But two of them had already happened after the analysis. That's why there's like some dissension among yeah. the marathoners in the top tier here. It's nothing like retroactively telling people whether or not they yeah, qualified for a championship. So it's as long as the athlete finished in the top 10. So if two athletes finish in the same position at different races, the athlete with the faster time will be selected. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it will be based on times. So it's so, very complicated. And that's and that's where the controversy just gets that much deeper. Because think about the differences in courses. Yeah. So let's say you run on a really fast course that is also really competitive. And so you finish maybe 12th place, but run a really fast time. And someone else runs in a less competitive race on a slower course. And they run way slower than you, but finish 10th. Then they're going to go to the championships when you might run way faster, but it was more competitive. Like people are just all over the place complaining about you can't announce something like this so late in the game and then make it like retroactive. There's only one more race opportunity that the athletes have. And of course, if someone just ran Chicago, they're not going to suddenly decide a couple weeks before New York. Well, in this case, one week now before New York, they're not going to say, Oh, well, I guess I got to go run New York. You you don't do that as a marathoner. So lots of concerns. Difficult, especially for those who had really fast times before this year and Mm -hmm. thought that those times would help qualify them. One of them being a previous podcast guest of ours, Martin Hare. A.K.A. Marty Hare, who had won the Marathon Project in, yeah. in a blazing time. Um, and, and you get things like that. What makes that especially frustrating for Marty in this situation is that most of the big leaguers tend to pass on the World Marathon Championships. So like the likes of Galen, for instance, often will say no thanks to running on this team, mostly because you make a whole lot more money running a world marathon majors than you do a world marathon championships. Um, actually most of the time you don't make it hardly any, if at all money running a world marathon championships. So in this instance, you get a lot of more opportunity for marathoners who are not like the top five in the country. Um, but then when they throw out a wrench like this, Marty would be a guarantee for a world marathon team any other year. Yeah. So that that's frustrating. Same with Noah Drotty. 
Same with Noah Drati. Yeah. yeah. However, now we're getting to the next <laughs> news in the world of running, which is the preview of the mm. New York City Marathon. Well, Noah will have the opportunity to try to claim one of the spots in this race because he is listed to be ah. participating in the elite men's section of the race. So he's one of those that got lucky having decided to run New York instead of something like Chicago, where it would have been like too late to know. Yeah. Yeah. But again, remember what they said. They just place in the top ten. Gotta be so in the top it's 10. still like and wait till really you hear difficult. this field. Yeah. Yeah. The field is I'm not gonna list everybody who's in the field, but those who we've talked about before. Kenanisi Bakele. Okay. Who is looking second all time second in the marathon. All time. And remember he went was it it was just recently he went for the the record and they were under record pace yeah. at the half marathon. In Berlin, in Berlin. of this okay. fall. Yep. So this fall he went for Kipchoge's marathon world record again again this is his second attempt at it <laughs> and remember he's real close like he's a couple seconds, two seconds. off yeah, two yeah seconds. he's just a couple and that seconds was only off. two years ago so yeah. it's, it's not like the guy has passed his chances exactly <laughs> exactly so he has announced that he was trying to do that before i'm guessing he'll go for a fast time he's I not mean, gonna new go york's for the record not, in new, york, new york's yeah. not fast but he he still wants to prove himself he's like against this field he's gonna have to run fast if he wants to yeah. try to win it yeah so who else is notable on the list zach well, I, the one that I want to mention that stands out the most to me is half marathon world record holder Kibiwat Candy. Mm. 57.32 is his half marathon Snap. time. When you can't quantify his time by hours because it's just too fast, you know you're talking <laughs> quick. Yeah. So this is his marathon debut. And you always love to watch a marathon debut yeah, because knows? anything can happen. Anything. anything. Honestly, anything. We've been talking about all these fast women in marathoning recently that will be claiming titles and records off of their debut. I mean, Molly Seidel, her debut was the Olympic Trials Marathon, and she can't claim a spot for Team USA in a very competitive field. So you just don't know, and it kind of keeps things super exciting. Now, on the women's side, we have a lot of representation with U.S. women. We mm -hmm. have Des Linden, Emily Sisson, who, okay. you know, these two are not on the list right now for the U.S. marathonic nope, yeah. team. They're not qualified yet, so these ladies could claim a spot. Kellen Taylor, who actually has one of the fastest times, and if she would have, if they would have done by time, she would have been on the team. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's not on the list right now. And then we have Laura Thweet, we have Sally Kipiego, who of course represented Team USA at the Olympics, Molly Seidel, and Alephine Tulamuk. Wow, the whole Team USA team. Oh, Stephanie Bruce <laughs> and York. Roberta Groner as well. <laughs> so we have a, quite a stacked field of nice. ladies from the U.S. So it's, I, I feel like maybe having this extra level with the qualification for u.s championships it could spur them on to even more competitive racing among them but i guess i guess the money in the race is probably enough to motivate them well you know yeah. and it's going to be a quick one too because you got the likes up front of paris jeff Chircher, mm -hmm. for example of kenya who holds she holds the half marathon world record in the women's only yes. half marathon and a top few spots all time in marathon half marathon and all these other things so got some real talent internationally and of course representing the united states mm -hmm. for the new york city marathon it's going to be an exciting one it's the last ma majors of the year in this crazy series of infinite majors that just never stop yeah and we get to uh we get to wrap it all up in new york all right
Let's move on to number three and our final note here for the world of running. This is an interesting article from Podium Runner published by Sarah Schlichter. And Sarah is notable particularly with Podium Runner and the work that she's published uh, because she is a sports nutrition kind of expert. Um, And with that has some interesting practical considerations. And so the title of the article to catch your attention right away was how female athletes nutritional needs differ from men's. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're going to right away recognize some references. She doesn't explicitly state them, but references clearly to the work of the likes of Stacey Sims in her book, Roar, um, and some things that we've been discussing yeah. in mm-hmm. at different points in time, Andy. So let me just give you the quick highlights, and you should definitely take a read at this article because the key thing here is beyond the basics. So women metabolize macronutrients differently than men. We know that, um, especially things like the flip-flop that tends to happen with carbs versus protein um, or, or uh, fats at different points in time in exercise. So there's a lot going on there. Um, and there's, there's a couple of points about that, but the interesting one is the obvious thing, menstruation. Mm-hmm. Now, how does that affect our training and nutrition? And there's some interesting considerations there. So read it. Uh, the, the summary I'll give you is that, um, we really should consider how, menstruation affects the nature of how our bodies respond to training and i'm saying our but andy should be the one saying that because i do not menstruate but (laughs) our ladies are training (laughs) your um however the point here is that in the first half of the menstrual cycle there's a tendency toward um better response to intensity and power and strength um as estrogen is rising estrogen responds well to higher and what is the beginning that's the beginning of menstruation all the way to ovulation right so that's the words that andy is more qualified to state aloud than (laughs) i am and the second half is when progesterone is that how you say it progesterone starts to rise and estrogen starts to decline and what is it ovulation okay so during this period the body tends to no longer respond as well to high intensity and so the lowering of intensity mm-hmm. and the reduction of like raw power types of stuff like tend lifting to be more effective and especially you'll notice that you may feel like greater levels of fatigue after a harder workout it may take longer to recover after more intense types of things well that may be for this reason. This is a side note, and this is not research. This is just my personal thing. Here we go. Recently All right. happened. Give it to us. I started eating a ton of protein before bed each night. And like she, I, she takes a whole rotisserie chicken. No, this is down. Oh, gross. Don't hold that up. That's this nasty. Is, it was that a bowl down. of apples Put that down. and peanut butter. And it doesn't look I anything like so a bowl of apples and peanut butter. <laughs> I don't know what you were doing. I just showed you guys a dirty dish on the A to Z running podcast. Anyway, but all that to say, I have been eating a lot of protein at night. I've been sleeping a lot better. I've been feeling a lot better. So this was a recommendation that they did have. Like this, um, Sarah has recommended it in a another article. article, Yeah, eat lots of protein to eat protein before bed and. And I and I have and it's really helped me out. So just Mm want to put that out there: eating protein before bed. I recommend it. Okay, key consideration with everything we just stated. These are not heavily researched or like thoroughly proven things. They tend to be proven so far. And so what you have to think about, ladies listening, is that your bodies are responding differently depending on things related to hormones. That's the key here. And so we don't know exactly how individuals differ in these kinds of ways, but they definitely do. And it depends on the kind of response you have and the volume of hormonal changes too so the main thing here is consider trying 
some different approaches to things depending on how you are feeling in response to what you're doing in training. And if you're worried, like you start feeling super fatigued or like you're just not feeling great or your workouts aren't going very well for a little bit during your training, it might just be that you're needing to bounce back, rest, Mm. (laughs) you know, take care of your body, eat the proper foods. It might not be that you're doing bad or like that you're going to have a bad race coming up. Like it just could be a slump based on Mm. our hormones that make us uh, perceive our effort to be higher because that's part of it too, the perceived effort changes. And Andy just made the golden comment, which is all of these things can be much more effectively accomplished if you train focused on effort. Effort. We because say it, then we say it all good on a again. given day, yeah. no matter how the body is responding to things, you give the effort. You don't try to run the pace because you should know very clearly that some days that effort yields a different pace than mm-hmm. other days. And so if you do the effort, then you significantly minimize the risk of overexerting yourself in times when your body's not going to respond as well to it. Yeah. And there you have it. Look mm-hmm. at that. Just baking in some training, golden nugget, tidbits of advice into the world of running. Well, that's it. But we, of course, will have more for you next time. Well, that's it. Remember to head to a aetizrunning.com. Look for the word follow so you don't miss any of the other good stuff we are doing and in case you haven't been able to find that word it's right next to the word coaching which i am sure you have at some point in time taken a look at that and if you haven't check it out so now with that of course we appreciate your time and ears as they have attended to our words and mouths and so we will talk to you again next week bye